Welcome to Dairy Intelligent, a podcast by VES Artex, a turntide company. Together, we will meet dairy industry intellects and passionate dairy producers to discuss all things cows and connected technologies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VES Artex's podcast, Dairy Intelligent. I'm your host, Annie, and today I'm joined by Dan Schreiner, product manager for Feed and Barn for Lately North America. Today, we're going to discuss how feeding technology has evolved, what's available on the market today, and the benefits to the cows, dairy farmers, and potentially the planet. So thanks so much for being with us today, Dan. Why don't you introduce yourself and give us some of your background? Uh, Pleasure to be here. Uh, Yeah, so my name is Dan Schreiner. I'm the uh, product manager uh, for the feed and barn products uh, for Lely North America. Um, Born and raised in Wisconsin, uh, been in uh, the dairy dairy industry uh, my entire life and uh, been with uh, been with Lely for uh, 11 years now going on going on 12 years. Well welcome. So obviously Lely is um, very well known for their red milking robots um, but today our conversation is going to be more surrounding on the feeding and the automated technologies that you have available. Um, so I want to talk about what are the types of automated feeding products and methods that are available today for lactating cows? Yeah, so yeah, like you said, Lely is known for uh, milking, um, but in, in reality, we're an automation uh, company and we completely circle the cow. And, and part of that is uh, is feeding. Uh, we also have manure and then obviously the milking as well, too. But on the feeding side, uh, we have a few different products um, starting with, uh, starting with the calves, we have the, the calm, uh, calf feeder. Uh, then we also have the, um, the, uh, Juno, uh, which is our automated, uh, robotic feed pusher. Uh, then, um, then we have a little smaller product, which is our, our Cosmics, which is a in freestall, uh, feeder, uh, as well, so we can custom feed grain to to cows, and then lastly, our our, our big uh, flagship product is is Vector. That's our automated uh, feeding system, so that will uh, drive out, push up feed, and then feed the feed the cows uh, specific to their uh, to their needs. Wonderful. Well, I think we should maybe start off by talking about the automated feeding systems on the Vector. Um, that you're just describing. What are the the main benefits of having a system like this on farm, and what types of farms is this system best um, used for? Yeah, so there's there's a, a number of advantages of uh, of automating the uh, the feeding uh, in the uh, facility. A lot of it just comes down to consistency. Um, when uh, when the when it's installed on a farm. Um, you know, from a cow's point of view, which is in the end, what's the most important, uh, it's going to see the same thing, uh, every day. The unit's going to drive through, um, uh, 24 hours a day. Uh, it's going to push up feed every, uh, hour and a half or, or so, depending on how that's set. Um, as it's pushing up the feed for the cows, it's going to actually measure how much feed is out there. Um, and then when it drops below a, a certain level, what, whatever the farm uh, wants that set at, 
then it goes back into uh, the feed center. Uh, we'd like to refer to it as the kitchen uh, as well. Uh, and it'll go and mix up the specific ration for that particular group and then uh, drive back out and deliver. So the, the cow's experience, again, is just is just consistency. So it's it's not uh, taking out the, the human uh, variable of, you know, are they going to deliver at uh, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. or, you know, maybe they're going to be an hour later, hour earlier, uh, what have you. Uh, also with it is uh, it's going to get delivered in smaller batches throughout the day. So we're going to uh, deliver, it depends on the, the, the situation, but eight to maybe 12 times a day. Uh, so that cow is going to get that exact ration uh, that it was that was designed uh, for it, um, you know, twelve times, uh, twelve times a day or eight times a day, whatever that may be. So, uh, you know, even a farm that does a perfect job mixing, um, if they're delivering it once or twice a day, that feed changes a lot on that feed fence. Uh, you know, between the sorting and uh, you know the it, it drying out on the feed fence. Um, just the the different barn conditions where it will change the 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 makeup of that feed uh, but when you automate it uh, you can deliver it more often because it has all day to do it uh, so those cows every every couple hours will get the exact same ration so that consistency uh, in and of itself is a is a huge uh, advantage because we all know that the cows like uh, consistency uh, throughout the day um, we also, uh, of course, save save on labor. It does it does save some time uh, as well too. Uh, and the nice part about it is, uh, a lot of times the the feeder is probably the most trained uh, person on the the farm because it's the most important uh, aspect or one of the biggest cost centers uh, of the farm. Uh, and uh, you can have a lot um, a lot different uh, skill level. Uh, for somebody that just uh, basically what they're going to need to do is uh, fill the the feed center or, or feed kitchen. So uh, if the feeder isn't there on that, that particular day, someone else can feed fill the feed kitchen and not really have an impact uh, of those cows uh, on the barn. The uh, the last part is um, is on feed refusals. So feed savings uh, because we're feeding on demand. Uh, the cows always have feed available, uh, but they also uh, never really get to a situation where they have a lot of feed that's just sitting there being wasted because it's constantly being delivered. So we can really cut the amount of feed refusals um, uh, out or reduce it dramatically uh, on farms with with automation. Uh, you know, and as far as where uh, where it would be. Uh, really, it's it's pretty flexible. It, it can drive outside um, in between barns. Uh, the big the biggest restrictions comes to uh, just driving, uh, driving distances uh, for capacity, and uh, we just need to make sure the feed alleys, you know, somewhere in that uh, ten foot range, um, and then uh, really we can we can go most uh, most places if we can uh, have a nice. Uh, smooth concrete uh, path between uh, between facilities and, and inside the barn. So on the other hand, robotic feed pushers are quite popular. I think we see them um, at quite a few farms. So why do we see these systems more often? And what are the benefits um, of having a robotic feed pusher? And what are the farms that could benefit the most from installing one? 
Yeah. Uh, well, we, we always say that everybody should have a feed pusher. Um, but it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot more prevalent in the industry, uh, for, uh, for one reason is that it, uh, came out, uh, quite a bit earlier. Um, it's, it started actually back in 2008 where the first, uh, unit came out. Uh, it's, it's less expensive to install a, a feed pusher. So it's a lot easier entry into automation. Um, so it's, it's a lot easier for farms to, um, adopt it fairly uh, quickly. Um, the other part that's, uh, I think, why it's so popular is feed pushing, uh, is feed accessibility is extremely important on the farm. But generally what we see is if something's going to happen on the farm, which it always does, uh, one of the first things that get dropped or missed is uh, pushing the feed up. Uh, it's one of those things that it's it's important, but it doesn't technically have to happen that exact minute. You know, it can the, the thought is, well, it can wait a little bit, uh, but the reality is, when it can wait a little bit, a lot of times it waits a lot, uh, and then the cows don't have the same access, the same consistency throughout the day. So the feed pushing is just one of those things where you automate that part. That's just one less thing you have to think about. Uh, just take that all out of the uh, equation. Uh, versus like the feeding side, um, again, you know, probably one of your more skilled um, uh, jobs. And so you have some of the uh, more skilled workers there. Uh, so it's a little more consistent. And if something happens on the farm, you're not going to pull the person off of the uh, off of the, the mixer. So consistency wise, you know, that's generally given a, a higher priority uh, with the labor versus versus uh, feed pushing. So, yeah, I mean, we see we see feed uh, pushers go into farms uh, every day uh, across across the world, really, but across North America, for sure. Absolutely. And obviously, um, both of these systems that you just talked about um, have different initial investments, but it's still quite a bit of a large investment, both in capital and space, uh, making sure you have your barn um, laid out to fit these systems. I think one of the biggest questions that many producers have, though, is what what is the ROI? Um, can you delve into that a little bit for us? Yeah, on the uh, it, it's interesting. We do uh, every time you know when we're going through looking at a project, uh, return on investment. You know, in the end, is is king, and um, and so we use the farm's specific numbers and what they uh, are looking at, and we look at. You know, we'll look at production. Uh, we'll look at feed refusal, labor, uh, fuel usage is a is a huge thing that a lot of people don't uh, don't think about uh, a lot. It takes a lot of fuel to uh, run a TMR mixer, um, and typically, uh, now there's a lot of variability, of course, uh, from farm to farm. Uh, but we can see, you know, a three year payback, five year payback. Uh, again, it depends a lot on the farm. Um, but a lot of that, uh, a lot of that comes from, um, the savings comes from, uh, I mean, labor is, is significant, but, uh, the feed refusal, just being able to, you know, if a farm's at six, 7%, uh, feed refusal, um, like you want to, if you want to have feed availability in front of those animals, you know, and, and if it can get cut down to, you know, in that say 1% range, uh, when you're just feeding on demand, uh, that saves a huge amount of feed uh, and a huge amount of the the uh, cost um, 
the the shrink cost uh, in the system, and and that in itself is a huge part of uh, the return uh, on investment. Not to even mention, you know, if it's going to change uh, the animal as far as consistency, uh, consistency and uh, performance, um, because some people do a great job uh, mixing feed. Um, usually, when you automate it, it it, it improves, but you know, it's, there's a lot more variabilities when it comes to saying, okay, this is how much uh, we're going to save as far as, uh, as production uh, and uh, in those, uh, in those sorts of things. So. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot of factors, definitely just beyond the, the numbers cost. So looking at both of these automated systems, how accurate are the rations? Yeah, it's uh, so we have uh, people at our uh, at our Lely centers and uh, in Lely, North America, that are um, there to help um, optimize and streamline the uh, the system. And so we work with the farmers to um, to try to make it as accurate as uh, as possible. And we have a lot of data that comes into the computer that really looks at okay. This, this is what the ration was supposed to be, and this is what actually is delivered. So we have data on every ingredient for every batch that, that goes out the door. Um, and, and we can see, um, we can see that rations, uh, mixed, uh, with the, the vector. I mean, we can, we can have as low as, you know, two, 3%, uh, variability, um, from load to load. Um, some of it depends on the, the amount of the ingredient. I mean, in really small, uh, small quantities that might vary a little bit more. Uh, but it's, it's very, uh, once, when once when fine tuned and, and going, uh, it's very consistent, um, and very comparable, or maybe even exceeds uh, a very good, um, conventional, uh, mixing system. I think obviously having um, a more consistent ration um, as well as um, being fed more often obviously makes sense. You're going to be increasing milk production. So what else does the effect of feeding with automation have on, let's say, maybe reproduction or general cow health benefits? Yeah. So, I mean, anytime you have have consistency, um, you know, things all around are going to going to improve. So, you know, going back to, you know, it being centered around the cow. So what is the cow's natural uh, behavior? And that's to have uh, many small meals uh, throughout the day. Um, and, uh, you know, and so when they're, you know, naturally out in the field, they're going to be out there, again, having small meals throughout the day, but having the same, uh, same feed um, throughout, uh, throughout the day. And that's basically what we're trying to mimic. Uh, so again, consistency throughout the day, the same batches multiple times. And what that's going to do is it's going to keep that room and pH consistent. Uh, and when it is, um, it, you generally see, uh, healthier, healthier animals. Um, you're going to, a lot of times you're going to see components, uh, milk components improve. Um, and you know, a healthier animal, things are going good. Um, you don't have, uh, as much incidence as acidosis and things like that. Um, yeah, reproduction definitely, uh, uh, has, we've seen some positive effects on, on farms, um, uh, adding automation, uh, to the, uh, to the system. Uh, the other part that a lot of times we think of the lactating cows, 
but where we get a huge advantage is in the uh, heifers and the dry cows because we can mix smaller batches. Uh, we can also deliver fresh feed multiple times a day to those animals that don't necessarily uh, get it. So uh, growth rates um, and just efficiency from uh, heifers, uh, heifers growing up uh, and then just a, a nice consistent even diet for those dry cows really helps uh, in transition um, for those animals to really get into uh, their lactation um, set up to be the most successful, most productive that they can be. No, that's really interesting. I never thought about, you know, mimicking the pasture situation, how cows um, naturally um, are grazers. Yeah. And that's, and that's really how uh, our, uh, our organization, our, our company um, really looks at everything when we're looking at automating things is, is how can we mimic what that animal naturally does? Like the milking robots, uh, you know, we're going to milk more on her time um, and uh, more often uh, in, in many cases, if it's a higher producing animal throughout the day, same with the, same with the feeding. Um, yeah. So you really look at what, what's that animal naturally do? And there's, there's no way from a conventional side that you could feed, you know, five, six, eight, 10 times a day. Uh, it would just take too, uh, too much time. So being able to automate it just really frees you up to uh, get a lot of freedom as far as, you know, small batch sizes, every pen can be fed differently. Um, and, um, and they all have the same kind of equal access to, uh, to fresh feed throughout the day. So that's a, a really uh, exciting aspect of, of automating the feeding side. Absolutely. So um, I want to go back to earlier um, when you were talking about labor, because um, obviously labor is a huge issue on dairy farms today. Um, and when you're switching to automated systems, you maybe don't need as many people or people are doing jobs um, differently or using their skills a little bit wiser. So how does time spent change when you're feeding in an automated system compared to traditionally? Yeah. So, so from a labor hour standpoint, uh, a lot of times uh, we see, you know, up to probably two thirds of the labor uh, can be saved. Uh, there's a lot of time in mixing up the specific batches and, and making sure they're accurate uh, versus now we're going to take, say, all the corn silage and load it into the kitchen uh, or feed center. And, and as long as it's in a particular spot um, or in a particular uh, hopper or bin, um, you know, that's all uh, you have to do. So you don't have to think about it quite as much or be quite as precise when you're loading the, the kitchen up. Um, so that has adds a lot of, of speed um, to the uh, uh, to the process. The other thing that's nice is we generally build in enough capacity of the kitchen to, uh, let's say, if the farm's goal is to, to load the kitchen up once a day, uh, we have enough capacity in there to probably just say go for 26, 26 hours, 27 hours. Uh, a lot of times it's more than that, but just for example, um, and that way, you know, if something does happen um, when uh, when uh, on the farm and it might delay uh, delivering the feed to the kitchen, there's enough feed in the kitchen that it can continue to feed uh, throughout the day. Um, gives it a little bit of a buffer that doesn't have to be as perfect of timing uh, loading up the, the kitchen. So it adds a lot of flexibility 
uh, there and and takes out that variability when when things don't go quite as smoothly as as you were hoping to uh, on the farm. Let's say there's a farm who they've made the decision that they they want to upgrade you know their feeding system. They want to save some time, um, get some time back on the farm. So what considerations do they need to make in terms of their barn type and environment um, before installing either of these types of systems? Yeah, so you know, really comes down to um, you know where where is it going to park, or or in the case of the, the vector, where's the feed center uh, going to be, um, and then driving. You know, which which direction, what kind of route it's going to uh, going to drive. So in a in a perfect situation, it stays inside uh, in the barn, has a nice uh, nice um, smooth uh, route where it can just make a big loop. Um, and, um, you know, the, the big things are feed alley width, uh, which is, uh, again, it, it depends a little bit if you're feeding one-sided or two-sided, but say 10, 12 feet wide, uh, which most farms, most free stalls, uh, don't really have the head, that issue. Um, and then, um, and then making sure, like, say if there's outside feed alleys, uh, outside perimeter feed alleys that there's a way to go from one to the other, say on the, the far end of the barn. So it can make a, a full, uh, a full loop. Um, the other part is if it does have to drive outside is the, the slope. Uh, we want to keep it as, as smooth as possible. It will go up a, a, a hill. Um, but we just need to plan a little more if it's uh, steeper where, you know, it might have to, you know, go a little bit longer uh, routes around uh, uh, outside the barn so it can go up the hill a little less uh, of a steep uh, incline. But generally speaking, we can work around uh, a lot of that, uh, a lot of that stuff. And the other part is, you know, like I said before, the feed center location um, and you know, the vector capacity wise, you know, there's a balance between where's the best place for the kitchen for the unit when it's driving in the barn um, and what's the fastest, easiest location for it when you're loading, uh, loading it up. Because a lot of times where the kitchen uh, is going to be isn't our ideal uh, location, isn't necessarily the most ideal location to deliver feed from the bunk. Uh, so there's a lot of planning involved as far as, okay, if we're going to build a barn uh, greenfield site, what would be the most efficient way? Uh, and that's just to position the barn so you can have the feed kitchen, you know, in between the two uh, to just save as much uh, labor filling and then also be efficient for the unit to drive out uh, of the feed center to uh, to deliver feed to the cows. All those considerations make a lot of sense to me and you can't just plop these systems into any barn and just assume they're going to do their job. <laughs> yeah. And, and we do, we, we, our team does a lot uh, in our Lely Center, spend a lot of time uh, with people that are interested in uh, project coordination and really laying out uh, the barn. And we have calculators that we can plot out the, the routes and the location and the size of the kitchen and, and tell you, you know, very, very precisely uh, how much time it's going to take uh, throughout the day to feed those uh, those animals. So um, we have enough experience where we feel pretty confident when we when we tell you, okay, it, it has this much time or it's going to take this much time in the day to do it, uh, that that's what it's going to be. 
Awesome. So we've talked a lot about the benefits of upgrading to automated feeding methods for both the cows and the dairy farmers themselves. But what about the planet? How are these systems more sustainable compared to feeding in a traditional way? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a, a number of different aspects, but really the, the two biggest ones from an environmental standpoint is fuel usage uh, and, and the feed refusals. So fuel usage you know, we're still delivering feed to the, uh, to the kitchen. Uh, but if you take the fuel off the, the TMR uh, mixing, uh, that's a, that's a huge, uh, if you think about a, you know, fairly high horsepower tractor running the TMR mixer for multiple hours through the day, uh, it's, it's sucking up a lot of, of a, a lot of diesel. Um, and so we do save uh, quite a bit of fuel uh, in the whole process, electrifying it. Um, which which definitely helps from that aspect. Um, you know, the other part is you know going back to the feed refusal. You know, if we can cut feed refusals by let's just say five percent, uh, well, that's five percent less feed that's wasted. Um, and you know, you can also equate that back to it's five percent less field that tractors have to get. Uh, you know, harvest crops, uh, fertilize, get. Um, you know, driven over, you know, all those aspects of it too. Now, of course, those farm, those fields still get, um, get uh, harvested. But if you look at the pounds of milk per acre, um, you know, generally, you're going to get more production per acre, it's going to be just more efficient in general, uh, if you can save, if you can save those, uh, save feed shrink uh, in there as well, too. So it, it really kind of has a compound effect um, on um, on the whole system uh, as far as uh, savings down the line uh, all the way out to harvesting out in the field. Really great way to look at it and to, um, you know, how we're able to feed cows in a, in a more sustainable way because that's, that's part of the future. Um, so that pretty much leads right into my next question. And I'd, I'd like to know your opinion on where you think the future of feeding is headed. Will automated systems eventually replace all traditional feeding methods? Uh, you know, in an ideal world, uh, I would like to say yes. Uh, but uh, reality is uh, it probably won't replace uh, all of them um, going for There's going to be always some labor in, but uh, farms of all sizes uh, are automating, automating their systems, making them more uh, consistent. And so I think most farms in the future are going to have at least some aspect of their feeding system automated uh, and the the general trend is is uh i think heading in the direction of of full automation but i'm not sure in uh in my career if i'm going to see uh 100% uh, automation uh on on all farms but uh, that's definitely the the direction it's going as uh, technology advances and um, and also becomes more accessible to uh, farms of all different sizes. So definitely think that's that's the direction that will continue to head. We're now at the end of our conversation, um, but before we go ahead and wrap up, um, I'd like to ask you a question that I've been asking again all of my podcast guests that join us on the Dairy Intelligent Podcast. Um, and that is, what does an animal-centered environment mean to you? Yeah, and it's it's kind of uh, funny you ask that question because, uh, and I might have alluded to it earlier. I mean, that's really what our company 
uh, is all about uh, the vision of our organization as far as uh, automation. And, and it all comes down to circling, uh, circling the cow. So, you know, cow centric uh, means that all the systems around it, whether it's, you know, feeding and milking and manure cleaning, uh, all of those can work uh, in harmony with each other to, uh, to make it a, a better experience, more efficient, uh, better environment for uh, the, uh, the, the animals. So, uh, you know, the animal's behavior uh, when you're allowing her to, to act naturally, um, uh, it, that's the, the best, the most efficient. And, uh, you know, you can set up and, and that's kind of our goal is to have the, you know, the milking is, milking is great and the feeding is great. Uh, but the two together uh, are there's even added benefits uh, beyond that. So you know, really being cow centric is is just looking at the cow and saying, OK, what's best for her um, and um, and how can we uh, set up her environment uh, to uh, to maximize uh, her productivity uh, and the, the health of of that animal? For sure. Well, thank you again, Dan. Automated feeding allows for a reduction of labor, feed consistency, and accuracy. And there's clearly a lot more to learn about feeding optimally in the back of the barn. And we really appreciate you taking your time to share your insights with us. So yeah. thank you again, everyone who listened and joined in, and we will see you in our next episode. Thank you for joining us for another Dairy Intelligent episode. We hope you have found some suggestions to improve cow comfort on your farm or simply just learn something new. If you have not already, please be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast platform and let your friends know about us. We would love to have them listen and learn.